0: this is the fantasy focus baseball podcast here are your hosts tristan cockroft and eric Carabel.
1: It's true. Welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Thursday morning, March 12th, 2020. Please note the day and the time that we're doing the show because tomorrow think things could be a little bit different. But we're going to talk baseball today. He is Tristan, winner of Myriad Leagues with Nary Loss. He is Kyle Sapi, pushing all the right buttons as producer and researcher. I'm Eric. Someone needs to read stuff. As I said, we're going to talk about baseball today, mainly Tristan's articles, which went up this week. I hope you don't mind Tristan, but that's, there's no news. I don't, I don't want to spend 20 Come minutes off. on Wait, Jesse we're Chavez. We're both writing
0: our articles this no, week. No, we no, can't no. Talk about
1: both? Yeah, but you win your leagues. And so we should talk about what you think because, you know, I just finished second in my league. So the stories I'm writing are not nearly as important as the stories that you are writing. Um, before we get started, on Tristan's stories, we acknowledge that uh, MLB is going to make an announcement, we assume, at some point soon. It could be today, tomorrow. I don't know when it's going to be. And then we'll do a show next week to discuss that. But today we're going to talk about baseball. Hopefully we're not being flippant in that. And uh, because
0: we're baseball is still happening. Um, so let's talk about... It's, uh, it's still happening. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll react. All I know is I can say this thing to you. Stay safe, stay smart, be healthy.
1: Yeah, be smarter than... Most. Um, what, um, I still don't see a lot of news, which is odd because they're still playing spring training games and there's still injuries. But like, since our last show, no updates on the Yankees or sale. Um, we're seeing some guys on track for opening day. Um, but you know, like, I haven't seen any major injuries to discuss here. I, I joked about Jesse Sava's. I mean, it's important to Jesse, but like, for fantasy purposes, which well, is what the show is, like, there's one. What do you got? Isn't isn't Justin Verlander one we haven't discussed? Okay, that's a fair, that's a fair statement. And you know what? I actually think um, that's no big deal.
0: <laughs> I know this is this is my way of getting into your articles.
1: No, no, we're not writing about my. I put him on my do draft list because I bet that people are going to panic on Verlander's value mainly because of his age, but. This is just kind of minor and he would only miss a start or two I think. So, he could be this year's Jason Schmidt, you know, like from 03 if he falls down in the rankings for people. Yeah. We actually have online drafts this weekend. Um, yes, we do. So, that's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's detail those. Those are the Tout Wars drafts. The uh the Tout Wars big expert drafts. You're in the 15 team mixed league. I am in the NL only league. Uh yeah, yeah. And the decision smartly was done to put them online, so we'll see how
1: that... How are you approaching them differently than you would have if we were in person and nothing was going on out of the usual?
0: Um, I, I think there's a little less nuance in the psychology of the game, and there's a lot of that in my draft historically in the NL. So I actually think there's going to be ways to, to sneak in some good bargains in the later rounds, and they're going to become a lot more important.
1: Let me see if there's any names on your Tristan's 20, which was published earlier this week, and those are basically 20 players that you like, I guess, more than most, or you like their value. Why don't you describe what you mean by your Tristan's 20?
0: So these are the players who, at the time I publish it, as of that day, I presume I'm going to get the most shares of in my league, and that's looking at market factors usually adp not only just our site but off-site elsewhere as well as in the industry drafts in which we participated or any other mock drafts that i've been in so i'm i'm guessing that these are the 20 players almost commonly roster and i always throw in that little note about how the minute i publish it the competitors in my home league print it out bring it to the draft and try to bid me up and then i say okay have fun with that that's a seven dollar overpay
1: I'm trying to. So, Nick Anderson of the Rays is on both of our lists. Yes. Um, he's on my do draft list. Earlier, I had a do not draft list. So, why do we like Nick Anderson so much? Not to give it all away, but I think he could
0: be special. So, you know what? We haven't done a geeky stat yet, have we? <laughs> we still have that? The geeky stat of the day. Yeah. Holy freak
1: out! The geek is on We're sure!
0: I love it. I, I love we it. We gotta bring back a geeky stat, cause this is a good one. Two pitchers last season faced at least 250 batters and generated swings and misses on at least 20% of every pitch they threw. One of them was Nick Anderson, and the other one was Josh Hader.
1: I was gonna guess Carlos Silva, but yeah, I think Hader's a better, <laughs> a better one to go with. I, and you know what? I, I actually, and people say, why do you ever change your rankings if there's nothing going on? Well, I and mean, obviously there's injuries and, and role changes, but like, I'm learning as spring training goes along too, like, I, and then not just from what's on the field. I'm lo- learning from reading y- your stuff and from reading uh AJ Mass's stuff and other people on our site and other sites. Like, so when it comes to the Rays, there's this like thought that they shared the the saves, you know, last year and every year they really didn't. Amelia Pagan was basically their closer for the final four months, so I don't see why Nick Anderson can't basically be their closer for six months this year and get 30 saves. So I've actually like moved him up in my. Either my rankings or how I view him, and if I like, I had a choice between like Nick Anderson and and basically Kimbrell, Jansen, Edwin Diaz. I think I'm going Nick Anderson now because of the upside.
0: And I'm probably still going Edwin Diaz, but I'm with you that I moved up Anderson quite a bit, and I now think that he's a, a very strong contender for a top twelve valuation among uh, fantasy closers. I'll give you a little sneak preview support of both of our uh, moving uh, our, our, our rise in the rankings of Nick Anderson. Uh, I have a piece coming out tomorrow that's going to talk about the impact of the three-batter rule. And one of the trends that I noticed is that while last year uh, the, the bullpens across the league shifted more towards closer by committee, there was a significant drop in the traditional saves. Those are the one-inning, three-out, came in at the beginning of the ninth with the three or less runs rule and completed a save. There was a, a, a near 100-save drop of that group. But I actually think that with this rule... That's going to shift back in the other direction, and that's going to benefit guys like Nick Anderson, who are a little bit more matchup proof and guys that teams think they can trust to throw out there at the beginning of the night. I think there'll be less mixing and matching.
1: All right. So well, I think we should debate a little bit here, because there's a couple names on your list that I just don't agree with. And it's basically the batting average killers. I see no way that like Joey Gallo and Reese Hoskins of my beloved Phillies can hit for a high batting average. And I think there's a lot of risk that they each hit, like two. 20 or two thirty. So I'm wondering in a standard league where it's batting average and not on base percentage, what are you seeing there? Or are you more willing than I to use a top 10 draft pick uh, on a player who can hurt, hurt you so much in one category
0: based on the, the nature of the game? I'm a, and this has been the case, I think for five to eight seasons. Now uh, the decline in batting average across the league makes me less bothered by guys who quote, sink your batting average. But I also think it's an unfair characterization for Gallo Gallo's improvements in terms of plate discipline and overall, I won't even say contact. That's probably. That's <laughs> not mis- the right word. <laughs> yeah, it's a misnomer with him. The, the ability to actually touch the ball when he swings it on occasion did improve, and it was enough. I don't, I don't know what we would call that, but he made some pretty significant strides. As a matter of fact, the number I put in there was, I believe it was 20, I don't get the exact one, 27th, where is it? 27th out of the 320 hitters who came to the plate at least 250 times. Uh That was his chase rate. I say, I say this a lot to you. Why do you assume
1: that's his new baseline? You know, he also had a five hundred five hundred BABIP against left handed pitching, and he batted two seventeen against right handers. So, I'm assuming that there's going to be a regression in his left hand his work against left handed pitchers, and that his right handed work has been pretty stable over the years. I think it adds up to it's like a two twenty batting average again, which scares me. So,
0: I I want to avoid that type of thing, and. You're right that we need to remind about the downside, but I do think that that was a definitive skills change, and one I am going to invest in is the ability to read the strike zone. Those numbers support he can read the strike zone. They take out things like that. But that's something that a player is doing that's an actual definable skill whereas the quality of contact is a whole different story. I mean, yeah, as you said, the BABIP is a concern to me. But I think he could hit 250. I do think Gallo could hit 250.
1: I hope you're right. I do. We don't have him ranked in a similar spot, and basically because I'm trying to protect batting average. And you actually have a bunch of batting average risks on this list here. Miguel Sano is interesting. We know he's not going to win a batting title. We know he's not going to play 140 games. And yet, the reason he's on my list is because he's going after the 10th round. I think... His numbers, he could hit his 35 home runs in, like, 110 games. That's why I like Miguel Sano, and I'm willing to take that chance as long as it's not coming in round 7 or 8. With Sano, it seems like it's coming in round 14 or 15. He hits the ball almost as hard as anybody else. But obviously, there's flaws in him, and missing games is, I I don't want to... I talk a lot about avoiding players in all fantasy sports that miss a lot of games. Sano does too, but I think he's a bargain at where he's going, if that's fair.
0: I think you're right, and and this is probably going to scare people off drafting him more than help it, is that his quality of contact, the ability to hit the ball with authority, rivals that of Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, who are two of the absolute best in all of professional baseball it doesn't mean that I'm as worried about Sano missing time as the two of them. He does fit in a little bit of that, that same guideline, but if he can hit with that authority, why isn't he being drafted along with where those two have been ranked for the past two years?
1: That's fair. Looking at your do not draft list. So most people are not going to read the intro (laughs) where you explain why a potential top 10 player. I do think there's a potential here for Fernando Tatis to be one of the top players in fantasy baseball. I just think he's being trusted a little bit too much here, and it's and it's 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 partly like the way Bryce Harper used to uh, scare people away. He would get hurt because he would run into walls or he would run too hard on the bases, and Tatis kind of has that same look to him. If Tatis played in 150 games, you you and I would be all in, but we don't think he
0: will. Yes, and that would be just as close as you could get to all in. Uh, because you're right, he could be the number one player in fantasy if he plays 150-plus games and he does end up with some good fortune in the batting average category. I just don't think those things are especially likely. I think the high end for him is that he's a top 10 overall potential player, and he's being drafted as only slightly less than that. There's going to be some regression in batting average. And can we really say that we think he's, with great confidence, he's going to play 150 games this year? No, of course not. But drafting, we, don't we don't have like a lot. will.
1: He's only had one season in the majors, so I can understand people. And there's a lot of people in our industry that we respect who are like, he's a top 10 guy. And I see what they're saying because that's a 30-30 profile with a good batting average. But it almost seems unfair to dock him based on brittleness and BABIP, which is
0: what we're doing. Yeah, the industry chases skill sets. They look at a player and what he can provide on a one-day basis and extrapolate it over 162. And I think that is what they're doing with Tatis. I remember this with Carl Crawford 15 years ago, I think it was, where he was being treated like a first-round pick because people saw that star potential. But until we see the evidence, until we see the volume, why are we drafting him like it's an automatic?
1: That's fair. We both have Adalberto Monesi, the Royals, on our list. Not that, again, we don't want to give too much away.
0: Welcome to the bandwagon.
1: But, I mean... I'm my issue is is not with his walk rate it's more with his illness history like he's just he, his shoulder i i just don't see him playing anytime soon um so that's my issue there um, what surprised me, you know, also I didn't put on my list, but I should have Will Smith at the Dodgers. I think he, people are trusting him too much based on a small sample size in the majors and what he did in AAA in the Pacific coast league, which I don't see how you can view anything anybody does in the Pacific coast league as relevant to the majors. Do you, I mean, again, we don't know the baseball, but Will Smith seems like people are trusting Will Smith as like a borderline top five catcher. And I just don't see that as maybe he does it, but there's risk.
0: Yeah, and I think part of it is just the the lack of quality catchers out there, but we're really trusting a guy who the majority of his fantasy value came from the one thing that baseball had a great abundance of last year, and that was just home run hitters, and I'll point out, in this column, you can go and read the metrics in here. I'm not going to go completely in, in detail on them. His quality of contact, the ability to hit the ball with great authority, like Sano we mentioned a couple of minutes ago, was nowhere near as good as I think people perceive it to be. It actually graded below average. It, it, that concerns me. If he's a batting average risk who is not going to contend for his position's lead in the category, why are we drafting him as a top five catcher? It sure
1: seems to me that there are different opinions on the Rangers pitchers, Mike Miner and Lance Lynn. Um Miner is on your do not draft list, and he's on um A.J. Mass's points league pitchers to target. And I think um, based on where Miner is going, he's on my list. I'm going to get him in leagues. I'm going to get Lance Lynn and, Ma- and Mike Miner in leagues. And I guess I'd like an explanation from you in a general sense here. Um Why do we assume... Again, I'm going against what I, I said five minutes ago, but why do we assume they can't do this again? I, I, I think I would say that a lot. Why do we assume that pitchers who overcame injuries or stuff or whatever, and Minor and Lynn both did,
0: why do we assume that they're going to regress again? Because if you go with ballpark, you don't know they're ballpark. So in Lynn's case, I'm in. The more I look at him – and you remember last year I resisted for so long and I was horribly wrong – I'm in now. I think the the changes that he made, the adjustments, did actually influence his ability to miss bats. And I think that is repeatable now. And maybe I'm making a mistake like you just reminded me a minute ago with Joey Gallo about why are we trusting the one-year sample. I think that adjustments do really matter and you need to trust them. And in Miner's case, he just doesn't miss bats to that level. And I'm going to avoid the player who gave you a full season worth of stats and didn't miss bats. That's why Mike Soroka is another guy who fits into this classification. I just... Don't want to chase somebody like this who I think is going to regress an ERA. And in Miner's case, if you look at what he did in the second half, he did regress an ERA. And he did pretty severely. I don't think that gets talked up enough. I mean, he didn't he had a, a near five ERA in the second half of the year.
1: He did. He also had 200 strikeouts for the season. So comparing him to Soroka to me just doesn't work. But... Um,
0: they're a little bit different, yes, but, I mean, is more interesting because he's a younger player who has a great future ahead of him, but even still, put those two into the injury risk classification. I mean, the, neither of the two of them has been all that durable over the past several years.
1: That's that's fair. That's fair. Um, any other names? I don't want to give everything away. People should read your work. It's fine work. It's excellent. It helps you win leagues. There is uh, There was a couple news items we did miss. I guess Carlos Carrasco with the elbow. Um, that seems like it could be something. And I have been fading Carrasco. It was a great story last year how he overcame leukemia, came back to pitch in September. But if we're getting down to the numbers here, um, if there's a six month season, I don't know if Carrasco is going to make more than like 25 starts. I'm concerned not so much about the leukemia. I mean, obviously we want him healthy, but the elbow. Like if he's got an elbow issue in the spring, we can't ignore that.
0: We can't based on the history. You're right. uh, I feel less thrilled with my buy of him at $16 in Labor AL uh, two weeks ago than than I do today. Um, or uh, Less today than I did back then. Um, At least right now, it doesn't look like it's a severe concern, but it is one just because it's there. So I think you're right. We temper the projection. We we project him for 24 starts and run the numbers at that. I still think it's that it gives him the ability to get into the top 20, but he's probably drafted a little closer to 30th of the position.
1: That sounds fair. Um, I you didn't have any rookies on your li- either of your lists actually, did you?
0: I don't I don't see. I thought about it. I so <laughs> there was nobody who really struck me either way in terms of the market being that wrong on them. I mean, Lewis Roberts really the the one. Well. The Canada market's wrong.
1: The market's a little bit wrong on him. They're assuming that Luis Robert is already Victor Robles, and he might be, but he—he's like, never played in the major leagues, right? And, and and by the way, Robles is no safe thing either. I mean, there's a, a friend of ours who can't stand him for fantasy purposes this year, and now we're, we're seeing he may not lead off after all. They might have Trey Turner lead off, then go Eaton second, and Starlin Castro is going to bat third for the World Series champs, which might be a better lineup. Robles, maybe he's not good enough to bat higher than seventh in a lineup, and maybe he won't be able to steal 30 bases this way. But to me, people are just assuming that Luis Robert and Gavin Lux are going to be awesome, and I, I'd i be more likely to take a veteran player. Like, I saw Robert go ahead of, like, Eddie Rosario in a recent draft, and I thought, okay, Robert might steal 30 bases. He might bat 210. You know, I don't know what he's going to do, but I have a good feeling I know what Eddie Rosario is going to produce. So I guess what do you say about that?
0: I'd agree. And I I think that the, the one counter argument to support Robert here is that he's much more likely to help you in terms of stolen bases than Rosario. So if you're at a point in your draft where you need to address the category, then I can understand you swinging in the other direction. But otherwise, I do think you're right. I think Rosario is a more proven track record. Frankly, based on some conversations I had with other people in my leagues, and and some of those haven't drafted yet, I think there's – I think he's being undervalued, frankly. I think Rosario is – one of the players is being pretty undervalued. I think safe number three
1: fantasy outfielders like Rosario – and I'm going to pull up a list so I can give you more names here – those guys, I do agree, are being a little bit undervalued. Yes. Um, because you know what they can do, maybe you think it's boring, but anybody who's capable of a 30-hundred season and not hurting a batting average to me is a valuable player. So, if, if you, know. you
0: look at an overall ranking set, You probably don't want to be dipping into that, you know, number 16 to 30 outfielder pool at the point you think it's going to come up based on the overall rankings. I understand that you should probably be going to another position, but it also could create this perceived uh, bargain shopping area.
1: I mean, Rosario is relatively safe. I would say Marcelo Zuna, same thing. Nick Castellanos. I like Castillo. Uh yeah. Michael Brantley, who you don't seem to like in your rankings very much. I would have Brown- Brantley in the same range as those other guys. Mm-hmm. It's not as much power, but it's a safe batting average, and hopefully he can stay healthy. Max Kepler, a little bit underrated. Adam Eaton, always underrated. You know what you're going to get. It's pretty safe. He was durable
0: last year. Mm-hmm. So being severely undervalued in NFBC-style leagues. Yeah, I agree with you.
1: Alright, well, anything else we can do after this? Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. So what if their site's annoying and doesn't have the events you want? Hello, status quo? The real question is how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? Well, with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you are looking for all in one place. In an industry that tends to stagnate, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd they built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the App Store shows more than 50,000 five-star reviews. How is that for customer satisfaction? It's just a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. It rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. They break down the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. Every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. We all have the SeatGeek app on our phones, and it's by far the fastest and easiest way to find tickets. In fact, we just used that app to buy tickets to a spring game not long ago. We all had a good time, and Tristan ate lots of good food. SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use the promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code FFB for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code FFB for $10 off your first purchase. Now, some cool music and questions. only the coolest music for you guys yeah well i'm guessing there's plenty of questions in the hopper today and i'm looking at my twitter feed and boy how interesting is it so i would say let's read a couple you read a couple and i'll see if there's anything on mine that you know, we can add to it. it briefly of course
2: sure sounds good to me matt wants to know why you guys have such a big ranking difference on Beau do we
1: because i think we both like him do you not like him I like him. <laughs> do I not like Am I the like- one who which one of us didn't rank him well? That's actually the better question. Uh Tristan has him at 79. So I'm guessing I haven't ranked better than that. So why do you hate Bo Bichette, Tristan? Cuz you, you him hate at 41. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You're at 41. Wow. I'm a I'm a Bo believer apparently. Um I'm What Bo believer? <laughs> That's a monkey song, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <sighs> Oh geez. What's your problem with Bobichet? Why do you hate him so much?
0: <laughs> I hate him so much I put him seventy nine. How terrible of <laughs> me.
1: Well, I mean the question also could be what do I see? Um why am I willing this is a, a a relatively unproven player, I guess. I mean, I don't think he's going to bat three what did he bat last year, like three ten or something like that? Um he had
0: that huge double streak,
1: didn't he? He did. He had 11 home runs in like a third of a season. So that's that's pretty cool. Uh, he was four out of eight on stolen bases. But I project him, and I did before he pr- was promoted, as like a, a potential 25 to 30 steal guy. So what I think Toronto does is they let him lead off. And I think there's actual potential here for him to bat at least 280 with 15 home runs and steal 25 to 30 bases. So I think maybe that's a little aggressive. If he does that, obviously, we're both wrong in the rankings. He'd be better than both. But do you, you disagree?
0: No, I'm trying to see if there's any underlying metrics to throw back at you here. Part of the ranking for him is just that shortstop is just so unbelievably rich. Don't care. That 79th that shortstop would have been fourth best even two or three years ago. So I don't think of it as a, a negative thing. It's If you're looking at my shortstop ranks, he's not ranked particularly well. The quality of contact wasn't really elite last year when I take a, a quick glance at him. Uh, let's see here. Hmm. 43.5% hard hit rate by Statcast. That actually is pretty decent. That's that's good. Yeah, well, the Fangraph one doesn't have him with anywhere near as good a number as that, which is a little bit strange to me. Sprint speed is a little better than I thought. So to your point about stolen bases, yeah, I might be underrating him a little bit. Um, I, I think he's not
1: a 20 home run hitter. All right, and I think people are expecting that, but I think he's at least a 25 steal guy. Like, I think he's going to run a lot. So that's how I that's how I view him, and I think he's pretty relatively safe for batting average. Let me see what the people on like twenty like five's a lot here. Twenty five's all right. So I'm looking at the numbers on Steamer, Zips, FanGraphs. Yeah, they, um, Zips they all, definitely likes him for steals. They they've got him with more than twenty home runs and like twenty five steals. Most of them, so they like him a lot.
0: Mm, they all look like they're around 20 to me, 20 to 21 in homers. Uh, the, the steals is the wide variation here. So I can get on board with what you're saying. If it, if he gives you 20, let's say he gets 21, 22 home runs, which looks like the high end here, and he does get to the 28 steal projection that Zips does, then I'm really underranking him.
1: Bo Bichette versus Vlad Guerrero for fantasy value this season. I think it's Bichette. And I have them really close to each other. And if, uh, Ka- if I thought Kevin Bijak about 270, he might be... <laughs> In the same yeah, conversation. and
0: I'd be with you on Bichio if I thought he'd bat that. I, I like him a lot more in everything that's not a traditional Roto League. All right, let's move it along to somebody else.
2: All right, we've got Josh up next. He wants to know if you have belief in Matthew Boyd after he added the third pitch to the Arsenal.
1: Yes, Tristan. Did we see him add that third pitch in the Tigers-Yankees game in Florida <laughs> last week? <laughs> yeah, I think we did. He <laughs> looked good. He looked. Yep. And look, it's just a spring training outing, so you never know. But And it wasn't against all the best Yankees because... Half of them are injured, but he's had a good spring and that's an actionable change where the spring training numbers would matter, Mm -hmm. but he's still a tiger and he's never won double digit games in his career in a season, which is hard to believe for somebody Mm -hmm. with like a hundred something, 120 starts in his career. Also, he's not winning an ERA title. So if you look at Lance Lynn, this is like the old Samarja. You get your strikeouts and nothing else.
0: Yeah, so what's interesting to me about him is he did enjoy a fastball velocity increase last year that helped uh, fuel some of the breakthrough. Slider performed a lot better, and he leaned on it quite a bit more. Uh, If he is adding this curve and it's effective, that could help him neutralize the righty-lefty platoon split. That might be another big positive. And it would probably prevent him from melting down late in the year. He he had just a really awful final two months. And I wonder whether that was just fatigue. But... I wonder where he he
1: ended up on our player, because he didn't help you in the ERA whip or wins, but he did get you hundred and eighty five innings, which actually works against the Era. But a two hundred and thirty eight strikeouts, that's that's a monster season. If he had a three hundred seventy five ERA, I and mean, this is Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn was a was a top twenty fantasy pitcher last season. Boyd couldn't have been.
0: So Matthew Boyd was uh, 159th overall on the Player Rater, and he was the 98th oh best goodness. scorer in points leagues, Okay, which I'd expect oh, he good. would have been better.
1: Yeah, that's better. I thought yeah. you were going to say 98th starting pitcher. He had to be probably in the 30s or 40s for standard Roto Leagues.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to get the exact starting. Okay, here we go. But uh, it's a was, lot of strikeouts. You need he was your strikeouts. 52nd, but you can pull one, two, three. There's probably to... about six relievers that Plus, qualified that were let's, there. Let's...
1: You know, there are bad teams in baseball, most of them in the American League. Let's not assume that Matthew Boyd can't win 14 games. I, I hate assuming that.
0: Do you assume that? An Oriole pitcher can no, win 14 No, I, I think he games. could win 14. I, I, I think it's probably an above-average projection for him on that team. But you're right, he could. If he pitches that effectively, remember, good pitching will win games.
1: I mean, like... I'm looking now at the wins leaders from last year, even though I shouldn't. But as a way of saying that you don't have to be on an awesome team. Marco Gonzalez won 16 games for Seattle. Uh huh. That's a bad team, and he and he still did it. it. Wasn't as bad as Detroit. No, they weren't as bad as Detroit. But
0: I'm, not many you know, teams could be as bad as Detroit was last year. Though.
1: I'm just saying, like it. Lucas
0: Giolito won 14 games for the White Sox. That was a bad team. Um, I, I think the relevant question here is, what's your over under on uh, De- on Detroit losses? Was
1: um, fourteen last year. It looks like a hundred loss team, but I, I I would say if I'm picking Matthew Boyd's one loss total, is that if Matt Boyd wins ten or eleven games, um, and and you're taking a guy who you think like who's going to win like fourteen, but might have like sixty fewer strikeouts. I'm trying to give you an example here, but like, like, all right, I hate to do this, but Hyunjin Ryu, okay, had 163 strikeouts last year. Mm-hmm. So he was nowhere near Matthew Boyd, and he ain't going to have that ERA and whip this year. Not in Toronto, not in the National, in the American League East. Like, you would take Ryu over Matthew Boyd every time, but should you? Because that's a lot of strikeouts, and the difference in wins might be less than you think.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's abundantly clear that Ryu is, ahead of Boyd. I, I like the comparison here, that you could wait a little bit longer, get Boyd, and be nearly as well off. Uh, by the way, the points one for starting pitcher, if you uh, if it's just pure starting pitchers, he was 31st. And I think that's where the value lies here. I think he's a real bargain candidate in the points leagues, because it's avoidance of losses there. It's not the wins, it's the avoidance of losses and the penalty for that. Okay. Uh, what else we got?
2: Neil wants you guys to talk about the difference between Kevin Biggio and Gavin Lux coming into this year in a redraft format.
1: Oh, boy. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I like Kevin Biggio more than most. Is that fair to say? Uh, I mean, I've scooped him up in a bunch of leagues, some sim leagues too, where the walks will matter a lot more. In a points league, Kevin Biggio is more valuable than he is in a roto league, although his stolen bases won't matter in a points league all that much. He was 14 out of 14 in stolen bases. This looks like, to me, it's going to be unfair, a Chase Utley with a lower batting average. He's not going to steal you a ton of bases, but he's going to be very efficient when he does. So he's going to be like 20 for 21 in steals. He's not going to have 30 home run power, I don't think, but I don't think he's going to be that that far, like maybe 25. Like, I, I kind of view Bijou as hitting 250 with 25 homers, 20 steals. That's really valuable. Like, that's a really valuable player. I don't think Gavin Lux is going to reach the homers or the steals, but I do think he could he could bat like 290.
0: Um, yeah, I think the key difference between these two players is that uh, Lux is a significantly better hit tool slash ability to make contact. Totally so, agree. Yeah. yeah, so there's going to be less variance. I also think that Biggio's, I hate to go to path to playing time, but the path to playing time is absolutely crystal clear Biggio is there playing every day will be high in the lineup we don't know that Lux is going to be there in the lineup every day hitting in a high spot
1: Wait, so actually, I don't think he will I think it's more right. likely Lux bats seventh or eighth and Biggio bats like second
0: right and the difference between these two teams too is that the Blue Jays are going to go with their young guys each and every day and the Dodgers do like to do the mix and match because that's the roster strength that they have by the way you, you mentioned with the the steals not mattering in the points leagues the points leagues versus R- Roto last year, 265 overall in Roto. He was actually tied for 278th in points. He was a little lower. So it actually balances him between these two. What I like is the sabermetric leagues, the the 6 by 6 where you go with on-base and slugging. That's where there's the pocket of Kevin Biggio value.
1: And look, I, I could be proven wrong for liking him this much. And he is two he's two years older than Lux. He just seems like a, a mature hitter at this point. And by the way, uh, no, I don't want to do that. Biggio does? Yeah, I think he's a really mature hitter.
0: I think he has a lot of room to grow. I do too. I don't and know that I'd call him mature yet, but I like where you're going with it. I, I think if he can clean up the contact a little bit, he could really take a big step forward. I just
1: don't assume that Gavin Lux, maybe I shouldn't even assume he bats 300. Um I don't assume the power or the speed's there, but we'll we'll see. I, I, I'm taking Biggio over Lux. Are you?
0: I don't know how I rank at this stage. Yes. And I believe I ranked them about 20 overall spots apart. Okay. What else?
2: Last one for me here. Zach wants to know your thoughts on you Darvish continuing the second half surge. Which half of last season does his 2020 most reflect?
1: Look, if we're going to talk about a Cubs pitcher, how can we not spend 15 minutes on Tyler Chubb? That's what I'm saying, Zach. I mean, that was a great spring question. Nice. And everything looks good. I watched him on TV the other day. It all looked good. Now, I don't know why Tristan's such a hater, but I think that Chatwood is in for a big with a that, B season, people. And I know I'm being somewhat facetious, but why are we assuming he can't do what we thought he was going to do last year? Like, if he can, if he has his control, all right. What am I what am my actual Where do I rank Chatwood? I there's
0: no way I, wanna I rank Chatwood. I want to know how you're approaching case. him in the 15 team mix this weekend. Do you really think he's going in the auction part of it? Do you think he's getting drafted at all? 15 team mixed. I do think he goes for a dollar.
1: Yeah. And I think actually, it's going
0: to be you if he does.
1: I think I've changed my mind on Chatwood versus Porcello too. I I think now that league has a bench Okay, where you can move like labor I did not want to spend a dollar on Chadwick or Porcello and I didn't. <laughs> I'm shocked. Why? Gee. <laughs> but in a league with a bench, why wouldn't you take the chance? Remember, this was a pitcher that in cores showed mild strikeout potential, I guess. It's not as strike as I as, as I thought. I don't know. Maybe I'm nuts.
2: All right, you, Darvish. You, I love you, you, that you're yeah. the one that sidetracked this from a Darvish question to a Chatwood wanna, conversation. I, I
1: don't want to assume that Tyler Chatwood can't be good. i I That's what I'm you. saying. So am I projecting an ERA on the good side of four? I would say around four. But if he makes 28 starts with a K9 of eight and uh, an ERA around four and a whip of like 130, that seems
0: okay. That's usable in a deeper league. <laughs>
1: You don't You don't even want to go there. All
0: right, no, I, I think that there I, – I see a path to Chatwood Mattering. I just I, – I think we, we all got a little too aggressive in his first year there. And Yes, we did. We and thought and he, leaving Coors and that – He's a he dart right. throw at the end, and I'm with you on the 15-team mix. Fine as a dart throw. We'll see. You're retiring me with Darvish questions. i got to ask the two of you.
1: He's a top-20 guy. You have to view him as a top-20 starting pitcher now. That's a lot of strikeouts. He controlled the walks. Um, somehow he, he was just unlucky to win six games out of 31 starts. Like, how did that even happen? Like, that he won only six of his 31 starts.
0: That's got to be... It was be... an uninspiring team second half, for one. I mean, I, and, and that still doesn't fully explain it. But, I mean, a lot of what Darvish did. the The second half was absurd. The best number at all, 13 second half starts. He walked seven batters. He walked seven batters in his first start of the season by I- itself. That he, one start matched his entirety of the second half in terms of the walks. That's,
1: he's not getting enough credit. He went all Verlander. He gave up homers, but solos didn't mm-hmm. walk anybody. Yep. He changed his approach. Give this guy credit. That whip was legit, and the ERA that you see of three point nine eight could easily be two point nine eight if he continues. It was
0: two seven six during that second yeah, half. That's exactly. Cal, the point. I got, I got to ask you. 're gonna be a hundred they're gonna be a hundred plus points apart you have a bet here you're are you taking it that the two of these guys Darvish and Chatwood are at least a hundred points apart on the player radar at the end of the year
2: I have to take Chatwood to cover a hundred point spread is that what you're saying you'd have to take him covering a hundred
0: point spread with Darvish I I would take it
2: just because if Darvish gets hurt like I cover that spread without really Sure, sure, I'll take it. <laughs> Even with the risk,
0: I, I'm shocked you're taking that. Oh, yeah. you're,
2: you're shocked I'm backing Chatwood in a bet, Tristan? Uh, okay.
1: We shouldn't, we shouldn't gamble. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> come on, wise minds. Chatwood
1: would here. definitely be a gamble. I would say he would qualify as such. Darvish is a top 20 starting pitcher, and I'm thinking, why am I taking Luis Castillo and Aaron Nola over you, Darvish? And I'm having trouble thinking. I moved that. Nola down. I'm moving – now, he just has a cold or the flu or whatever. I don't know. But the point is, like,
0: Darvish's strikeout potential and whip potential is top ten-ish. So And I'm not bothered by the prospect of, of individual absences on the injured list. I'm not. I, I think that Darvish is likely to give you a minimum of 20. He could get up to 20 to 30. I like what I saw at the end of last year. Yeah, and look, and a year ago today,
1: I want to know part of it. He's a walker, but – He wasn't a walker anymore. He changed. We're done for today. We thank you so much for listening to our little show, The Fantasy Focus Baseball, and we think we'll be back next week. Um, Tristan? Oh, sorry. We think... Well, you were delayed. You were delayed in playing that music. And if you had just played it 20 seconds earlier, I would have started earlier. Um... I enjoyed my show. Did you enjoy the show, Tristan? Most was
0: certainly it, did.
1: Yes. Most certainly. Was it fun for you? And you should
0: read all of Eric's articles. This don't read week, any of a lot of them. And they're very Tristan's. good. And I agreed with most of his picks, but not all of them.
1: I don't think so, because Joey Gal is going to bat two fifteen.
0: Um, oh, we should be taking that bat. two fifteen versus two forty five.
1: Two forty five is a little uh, generous, don't you think?
0: I think it'll be closer to 245 and 214. With or 215, without a doubt. Change your voice.
1: Um, nope. I think God, you know, like, <laughs> you're 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 playing with unicorns, dude. If you think 245 is going to happen, right? oh, I think it will happen. <laughs> Kyle, let's like hear your 45 plus. Let's hear your way, silly no, Bernie Williams voice, Kyle. What is it? You're not really like, good with
2: this low really, voice thing here, you know, but nine, we're going to go an over under of 237. What side are you taking, Eric? Well, obviously the under.
1: Tristan's taking the over.
0: I might really more passionately take the over than you take the under.
1: I think you you don't understand the voice thing. You clearly you clearly do not understand the voice thing. We are done. For, let's stop before we do something dumb. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Way too late for that. Kyle, thank you so much. You're a great producer and researcher. Tristan wins all his leagues. I'm Eric. I read stuff. Thank you for listening. Please stay safe and healthy. And we'll see what happens. We'll talk to you next week.